0: My name is Alexa Collier, and on this podcast, I interview those who are early on in their careers. We discuss their successes and accomplishments, their advice, and where they're headed on their career paths. With me today is Corey Spanner. Corey graduated from Ohio University in 2017 with a bachelor's degree in integrated media. He moved to Los Angeles after graduation to pursue a career in film and is now a showrunner's assistant at Netflix. Before that, he was actively involved in the film industry through various internships, and was also an office manager at Working Title Films, one of the world's top production companies. Welcome, Corey. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited.
0: Of course, of course. Let's jump right into it. I'd love to go... Back in time to when you first became interested in filmmaking. I know you uploaded a series of YouTube videos that were about being <laughs> Bat- Batman's roommate, which are fantastic. I have watched every single one of them. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but thank you. <laughs> um, I'm curious, did you have other side projects even before that, like in high school or even younger? What, what were some of those projects that you were involved in?
1: Yeah, there were tons. So the the Batman thing was done junior year of college. It was me and your husband, my roommate at the time, which (laughs) was just a web series we made with some of our friends. But going back all the way to high school, I don't know if I could pinpoint a starting time, but it just felt like we were always doing video projects for school and things like that, and that's the thing I really latched on to, and that was uh, what I really enjoyed. And some of my other friends your husband included, I would drag them into it. And we would all just make different YouTube videos, like a lot of movie spoofs and things like that. And we would just like riff on like things we liked from Saturday Night Live. Like I remember early on, one of the first things we did was straight up just reenacting one of our favorite SNL sketches.
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: yeah, so it was just like a lot of stupid things in high school like that, just giving us something to do on the weekends and a way to be creative and things like that. And of course, we had it was this was like the YouTube boom and things like that. So we were like, oh, we'll just make this video and go viral and be <laughs> super rich and famous and we won't have to do anything for the rest of our lives. Um, but it was mostly just silly stuff, but it was fun. We did a lot of, I might regret saying this, but I had a channel where we would review and play a certain action figure game that we were all really into. Um,
0: I, I haven't seen that one yet. I'll have to look it up after this.
1: Uh, you won't find it because <laughs> I took it down sometime in college. Nice. Um, but yeah, it started off pretty early on. I don't remember what exactly it was, but I remember looking at Ohio University in my college and seeing that they offered classes in that and being like, wow, this is a thing that like people do. And it was in high school that I kind of became conscious of that.
0: Nice, and I, I do want to learn more about your degree, but first, quick question, were you more behind the camera or in front of it when you were making videos with your friends in, in high school? It
1: was definitely both, because mm. there was just a few of us, we really didn't have many many friends, so we all kind of had to play every role, but mm. I definitely did both, and then I was mostly the one that like did all the editing and the posts and things like that, and directed a lot, just telling my friends and Nathan, go stand over here and do this. And then I would act when I had to, and things like that. It was sort of a little bit of everything just because we didn't really know any better.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. I was just curious. Switching the conversation to your college experience, and I know you have a degree in integrated media. I'd love to hear more what you can do with an integrated media degree and what opportunities has it already led you to?
1: So integrated media was sort of a jack-of-all-trades degree within the media school at Ohio university. I wasn't in the film school, and I went into college not totally sure what I wanted to do. I, like, like I said, I kind of wanted to do all of it like I had in high school. I had just been behind the camera and in front of it and doing this and doing that. So integrated media was like sort of – pick and choose what classes you want. So I could go take a video production class over here. I could take a special effects class right here. I could also take this writing class or this script analysis class. Um, As for what I can do with that degree, it's it's a little weird. It's sort of like an arts degree in that no one's really going to put out a listing for someone with an integrated media degree. For me, it was more about, and a lot of people who have similar degrees, it's more about helping you decide which path you want to take and helping you hone those skills and also showing you what skills you didn't have and what paths you didn't want to take. Because those first two years of college for me, I kind of just took everything I could just to see what stuck. And I always knew in the back of my mind that writing was going to be the big thing for me. And then Mm -hmm. I took those editing classes. I took those special effects classes and I did terribly. <laughs> I was so bad it. I could not wrap my brain around just like sitting at a computer and doing all this for hours and like having a product. Like I remember one of my earliest assignments was to make a ball bounce and I struggled with that like digitally make a ball bounce. but with Integrated media it slowly just like whittled down what I wanted and then I told my advisor like hey I'm not really good at any of this video production stuff. The last two years of college I went to my advisor and I was like nah, this isn't really sticking with me. I don't really know if I can do this. I really want to get more into writing. So I picked up a corollary in English and ended up taking 10 or so English classes uh, my last two years of college that also counted toward my integrated media degree. And those ended up being the most valuable classes that I took in college. I learned so much, not only about writing, but about myself and what I wanted to do and about the stories I wanted to tell and things like that. So by the time I graduated, I had a pretty solid grasp on what I wanted to do, and that was to write, particularly for movies, which is why I'm out here right now, as well as various other forms that I had, like nonfiction and things like that, which I had enjoyed in college. To go back to the original question of what you can do with an integrated media degree, it's sort of just not only about honing your skills and finding what you want to do, but my college had a ton of opportunities to make connections, to go out in the field and do work. So that by the time you graduated, you had things on your resume, you could go somewhere like Los Angeles where you might have connections and you could say, oh, yeah, I did this. I did that. Another. I mean, obviously, the biggest part of my college experience to me was the fact that my school had a semester in L.A. program. So it was basically just study abroad. But instead of going to another country, you just go to Los Angeles And there was about 20 of us in the program for a semester and you go and they give you a place to live. I think I shared a bedroom with another guy Mm -hmm. in an apartment with another bedroom with two other guys. And you go out there and you take classes that have to do with the industry taught by like some alumni that work in the industry. You go on like a lot of field trips. I remember one day a week we would go to like a different studio. Like we would go to Warner brothers or we'd go to a taping of a sitcom or things like that. But the biggest part was that, you went out there and your main source of credit for the semester was internships. We went out there and everybody was required to have at least three days a week of an internship. A lot of people had two internships. And then the connections I made through that were what prepared me for graduation and a lot of the
0: opportunities that I had. Interesting. So I love how... You're explaining that this integrated media degree really helped you understand the more specific path you wanted to go down, which seems to be writing, which is fantastic. And this leads me into my next question, which is what experience have taught you the most in regard to your career, whether it's through college, internships, your current job, and what are those learnings? It seems that from what you said, making those connections through that semester in LA were really valuable. Is there anything else that comes to mind?
1: Yeah, those connections, obviously. That internship I had that semester is what got me my job when I graduated. But there's so many things I learned on a like a day by day job skill kind of way from that first internship that fall. There's a ton. I mean, there's ins and outs of the industry. I mean, being from Ohio, there was so much of this industry that I didn't know. That was a lot of speculation. And Los Angeles is the hub for it. The industry is everywhere. People stay in Ohio, people go to New York, things like that. But as far Mm -hmm. as the business aspect goes, especially working at a company that was like making these pretty big movies, I feel like I learned not only like the ins and outs of like, oh, this is how this works. These are the steps to get this made. This is what we do with the script. This is what an executive assistant does, things like that. Uh, It also just taught me so much professional etiquette that semester, trying to remember. I think I turned 22 in the middle of that semester, and I was a pretty wide-eyed kid from Ohio Mm -hmm. who had had just worked on campus and worked at his dad's newspaper in the summers and things like that, and to come out there and show up every day at 9 a.m., be the one going on coffee runs, answering the phone at the front desk, and greeting somewhat high profile guests occasionally uh, and also just realizing how much I didn't know. One of my fellow interns had grown up in Los Angeles and had some family connections in the industry. So she almost like took me under her wing. I remember on our first lunch run together and she was just like showing me all these different spots and telling me all this different info she had from these other internships she had. And by the time that four months was over, my mindset was completely changed. I had a new view on what the industry was as opposed to what I thought it was. I feel like I knew the path I could take. The bottom line is that there's like a million and one ways to make it in this industry. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of have to jump on the opportunities you get. And I feel like, oh, this is an opportunity I can jump on to because I get it. I experienced it. I've already made a little bit of progress, you know, and having that from college, Was I mean, I can't even describe how valuable it was. I can't imagine where I would be without that program.
0: Right. I think that's great advice to anyone interested in entering the film industry is just don't say no to opportunities that come your way because you never know where they might lead you. I'm interested in your advice to someone, whether they're in high school or college or just graduating college and they are entering the film industry what if they can't get to New York or can't do a semester in LA and have to remain on their university's campus in Ohio Mm -hmm. or wherever that is? What's your advice to someone who didn't have the opportunities that you may have had?
1: Right. And obviously that's the majority of people in this industry. I am so incredibly thankful that OU offered that program. I know only a couple schools offer something like that. I was actually just talking to a friend of mine who's about to graduate from Harvard he wanted to go to LA and, and partake in the industry, but his school didn't have a program like that. So I was giving him a lot of advice. And had I not had that program, I my plan was to probably stay in Ohio and just keep mm-hmm. making content and making the art that I wanted to make while also supporting myself. So advice to people like that and to anyone wanting to get into it, it's just that you have to go down every path you can take. And some, for some people that's, just making as much content as they can. It's it's getting a, a job that you may not be too thrilled about that pays the bills, but also allows you to support yourself so that you can make a movie on the nights and weekends, you know? It's very much an industry where what you put into it is what you get out. I believe that wholeheartedly in everything in life. Like, I have friends who don't like their jobs, they sit around all night and then something comes up at work and they get asked to do something they say, no, I'm not too interested in that. And then the person who did do that is the one that gets the promotion. It's that you have to remember that everybody starts really, really small. No job can be too small. At the same time, it's like I said earlier, so many different ways to make it into this industry. And my Number one advice for somebody like that would probably be and there's probably going to be people who disagree with me. This Mm -hmm. is how I view it. It's that you have to decide what you want to do. And it's also you have to decide which mountain you want to climb, because if you go for the whole mountain range, you'll have indecision on which peak to go towards, you know. Like if you, like if I were to say, oh, I want to write, but I could also edit, but I could also script coordinate and things like that. I myself would feel too strung out. I would try to take this job opportunity, but then I might have second thoughts and take this one. But now that I know it's like, all right, I want to be a writer. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's the path I'm going to go down. And those steps for you are going to be different depending on your environment. There's an alternate version of Corey that stayed in Ohio and was just making content. And that Corey's goal would have been to make a movie. It wouldn't be to get this job, work in this line, eke my way in here, get this person to read this script. It would have been like, all right, I'm going to get this nine to five job. I'm going to make this movie.
0: That's the goal. I love how you gave that advice because I think that applies to any industry, really. But specifically for the film industry, like you were saying earlier, there are so many paths, writing, acting, production, Mm -hmm. directing, and I'm sure many others that I'm not even aware of. First thing to do is to find that path that you do want to go on. That doesn't mean that's your path for the rest of your life, but at least have a starting path so then you can then narrow almost your opportunities or, okay, I'm going to concentrate on building out my YouTube because I know I want to produce content or yeah, that's, that's great advice.
1: You're going to learn so much from your failures. Like I talked about, like, I just did so poorly in college at the things that I thought I was going to want to do. And it wasn't until I took those writing courses, like the nonfiction classes that I took specifically that I was like, oh, this is kind of what I'm going to do how can I use this, the situation I'm in to get myself to the point where I want to be. And another huge benefit of this industry is that any industry you're in, you're constantly comparing yourself to your peers. Oh, this person just did this. What the heck am I doing in a creative industry like this? You can always fall back on your own art. So no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you can still create things, you know, and at the end of the day, that's, hopefully, what you want to do. That's why you're doing it. You know, you might not be making millions of dollars doing it, but you still put pen to paper that day, things like that.
0: Putting your art out there, whatever form that art takes, that's your why. And that's the most important thing is to find your why. I really resonate with that. In college, when you were, you mentioned your, some of your failure, failures, like you couldn't edit the ball, and you didn't like those types of courses. Did you feel, like you wouldn't be able to find your path. Did you feel stuck or nervous that you would graduate college and still have no idea what you wanted to do? And if so, how did you push through that?
1: It was terrifying at first. Like I felt like I had got there and after a semester, I remember talking to my dad and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't like like I thought this was gonna be what I wanted to do, but all these other kids are better than me. I can't wrap my brain around this. My solution tried and true was just to begin writing the things that i felt when i wrote when i finished writing not exactly the process of writing itself it was just a constant reminder to me that that i was still in control you know if i'm in an environment where everybody else is succeeding and i'm just still in the computer lab till midnight trying to make this freaking ball squish on the ground (laughs) realistically i can still go home and do that I got to give credit to, like, I did go to my advisor and I did go to some professors that I had and just say, I can't do this. What do you recommend trying? You know, you can't be afraid to admit that you're not good at something, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. That is a great segue to my next question, which is what are your next steps and what tools and resources are helping you figure out what's next? Because I'm sure your current position isn't your final position, right? It's not the end to your career path. So what has been helping you figure out what's next?
1: Well, this goes back to what I kind of said at the same time. I feel personally like I'm doing what I've always wanted to do. Like I'm still writing every day. I'm still making progress on my own personal and creative goals and things like that. I mean, obviously I'm not getting my screenplays directed by Steven Spielberg. or anything. <laughs> but at the end of it, I can say, Hey, I wrote 10 pages. So next steps in that regard, it's hard to say because I'm just still doing it and things like that. But professionally, there's a whole other aspect of this industry because it's really 50-50 with both, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I'm in a position where I'm working on a show right now. I could go work on another show after if I wanted to. I could try and be get into a writer's room. That's probably my next step. So there's positions out here called writer's assistants. And they're the Mm -hmm. people that go into writer's rooms for TV shows. And they take notes all day for the writers. And they write down everything they say. They record their ideas. They organize all the information. And they're basically the one-person support staff for a TV show's entire writing room. But there's multiple ways I can go about getting to the ultimate end goal, which is to be a writer who gets paid Mm -hmm. for what he writes. I also have a circle of people around me to read my work, like my boss is like the kindest person in the world and she has read some of my work and given me some great constructive feedback, given me exercises to try, given me so much advice. So where I'm at right now, I really enjoy just continuing to do work like that and having her criticize me and learn things in that way but it's kind of scary at the same time because there's so many people out here wanting to do that same thing and it's easy to fall into a trap of oh i'm at this job and i'm comfortable and i can pay the bills for a little bit you know i could do a lot of things as far as next step goes there's not a there's mm-hmm. not exactly a, an exact promotion and, but at the same time something may come up that sounds cool i may decide and go try to write something else may go work in like the comic book industry or something like that I feel like I know a little bit around my way around the industry and being an assistant and things like that. I just try not to pinpoint too much of a path. I hope that's not counterproductive Mm -hmm. to what I've said earlier, but I think that sometimes we set a path in our mind like, oh, I'm going to do this and then this is going to make me do this and then I'm going to get to do this. But I think Mm -hmm. when life inevitably forces us to stray, we can get really hard on ourselves. Like I know I've been really hard on myself out here because I think back to, the Korean in college and where he thought he would be at the age of 25. And it's definitely not where I thought I would be, but I'm still extremely comfortable where I am. Like, did I see myself doing personal assistant work and working on this exact show? No, but you do it. And that becomes your path. Right. It's not worth considering the other ones.
0: I think that definitely makes sense and does go back to your main advice, right? Which is find your why, find your vague end goal and work towards that. But that doesn't mean that there's one straight path. There are many branches to that path. And keep that in mind, right, as opportunities come up, that there's more going to be more than one opportunity.
1: Definitely. And I think as far as – I think the question was, what are your next steps? I <laughs> always think back to – there's a writer, Neil Gaiman, who I absolutely love. And he one time talked about success as a mountain. And your whole goal is to get up the mountain. So sometimes you're going – to hit roadblocks and you're going to have to continue horizontally around the mountain for a little bit, but you're not losing progress by doing that. And then sometimes you're going to be walking around the mountain and there's going to be little things that will allow you to gain a little elevation. This job Mm -hmm. opportunity, meeting with this person, every little bit is a climb up the mountain. So all all you should be concentrating on is working your way up that mountain a little bit at a time because you're not going to sprint that way up. There's always going to be stop something stopping you from gaining progress, but at the same time, an opportunity might come up that's going to allow you to gain a little progress so you have to take it. And someday, hopefully, you'll reach the top of the
0: mountain. I love that metaphor. I'm glad you brought that up. I find myself sometimes, like you were saying, too focused on what I think my next step is, and perhaps that makes me a little blinded to other opportunities that might come up. I might not even notice them because I'm so focused on that one single mountain peak just sprinting up the mountain but what about what about this side path right that could be 10 times faster or more interesting
1: it's kind of a bummer too because and I'm sure you feel this as well and a lot of people our age we get so it's so easy to compare ourselves to each other now especially with social media and all those things that we spend so much of our brain power which we which we only have a limited amount each day. We spend so much of it thinking like, oh, I could be doing this right now instead of doing what I'm enjoying. Like sometimes I'll sit there and like, I'll sit down to read a book or I'll sit down to play a video game. And I'm like, oh, I, I could be writing something right now. I could be making mm-hmm. content because there's other people my age who are out there doing it too. But at the same time, you got to reward yourself. If you're on that path, you're already doing something right, you know? It doesn't have to happen right this second. Enjoy the mountain, enjoy the view from the mountain, you know?
0: Yes, I love that. I think that's beautiful. I want to switch topics a little bit here and hear about your perhaps top three best practices for balancing work and life. I'm really interested in what you're going to see, what your answer will be to this question, because I'm sure in the film industry, you've had very long working days. I can only imagine. Um, so would would love to hear how you balance work and life. and walking up the mountain, but also enjoying the view.
1: Yeah. So I did have pretty long hours when I started out. I worked just about pretty much 12 hour days running the front desk at the company that I worked for, not, not including the commute across town, but one of my good friends there, kind of my mentor at that job, the guy who had got promoted to open up the position that I took, he gave me some really simple advice, and it's the first thing that came to mind when I heard this question when I listened to your first episode, and it was just go get dinner once a week with a friend. If you're working long hours and you're going home and just laying around, go do something one time a week. Just try it, and you'll slowly find a way, you'll slowly find the benefits of that. Like at first you might be resistant to it, you might be tired, you might not want to talk to somebody, but you'll slowly see the benefits of that, and you'll it'll help you find a groove because it is a balance and it's really hard at first and you've almost got to ease your way into it. So I took his advice and like once a week I would get dinner with a different friend or I would, my roommate and I would try a new restaurant in our neighborhood or go see a movie or something like that. No matter how tired I was, even if I wasn't getting out of the office till eight, I think it's really important that you allow yourself, especially if you're taking a job in a new city to become a part of the environment,
0: Mm. not
1: just a product of it. I also I work from home a lot. I've worked from home for about two years now. Not exclusively because I'm at my boss's house a lot. I'm constantly running errands. There's meetings and things like that. But for the most part, my home is my office because we don't have an office space. So I guess my other good practice, second of the three practices for balancing work and life, is to have a period of time where you are completely on the clock and off the clock. This advice is probably exclusive to people working from home, but when I started doing it, I really struggled with it. Being like, oh, I could wake up and just like play video games and check my email for a couple hours. And if something comes up, I could stop playing and I could just like watch TV and have my laptop here next to me. And I just totally spiraled out of control. It was really hard. And then eventually I just made it a rule. I was like, all right, no video games until five o'clock. No watching a movie. Nothing like that until five o'clock. There's things I allow myself to do during the day like yeah I can sit outside and read for an hour or work on a puzzle but for me personally I really value my nights and weekends more because of that which inherently sounds crappy and you and I could probably talk for a while about how society forces us to hate ourselves from nine to five five days a week (laughs) but if you do have to do that which a lot of us do I think it's It's really important, at least for me, to set boundaries when working from home. Like, all right, I'm going to be sitting at this desk or being productive from nine to five. I'll let myself go for a walk around lunchtime. But as soon as five o'clock hits, I'm allowed to have fun. It also Mm -hmm. helps because I spend a lot of time at my desk in my free time, too, whether playing video games or writing. So it kind of helps to be in work mode versus play mode in the same space, you know?
0: Yeah, you and I are. Definitely in the same position right now as I'm sure a lot of others are in our current state of our world. So I think that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. And I've also struggled with that at first working from home as opposed to in the office because I would think, yes, it's five o'clock, but there's still a ton of things on my to-do list. Why wouldn't I just crank them out right now? Right. Well, no, I need to stop. I need to live my life, and I can continue those that to-do list tomorrow. Right, and
1: it also helps me if especially now because everybody's pretty much working from home. One thing that really helped me is I have a cousin that I'm very close with and he's in Chicago, which is two hours behind me, but every day he starts his work at noon and every day he has like a 45 minute commute to his office. Hmm. So we would talk on the phone that entire time. And for me working from home, that was a good way to just talk to somebody to like simulate the emotional needs you fulfill when you just talk to a coworker in the kitchen for a little bit and things like that. It is good to give yourself a break, especially now when everybody's working from home, to just be social a little bit if you can. I also wanted to say last bit of advice for work and life, and you just kind of touched on it. It's like, like, why wouldn't you get a little bit more work done if you still have things on your to-do list? I think it's really hard for us to remember that when you have a lot of things to do and when your work is hard, your work isn't you, like you are your life and you are the choices you make and the actions you take. And even if you work really late or like, you have a lot of things on your to-do list, just remember that you personally are not defined by your job and it's so easy to lose track of that because our jobs occupy so much of our brain that you almost forget about the parts of your brain that make you you, except for maybe on the weekends. So it's just a good thing to remind yourself that like you are things other than what you're doing right now. Like you're here for a reason, fall back onto that why that we were talking about.
0: I find that fascinating and appreciate that advice myself, because like you're saying, your job takes up so much of your life, right? Sometimes I talk to my coworkers more than I talk to Nathan just because of the hours I work in a week. It is important that you realize you are you and there are qualities that make up you that aren't your job. And it's also okay to know that your job is a big part of your life, but balance that separation I think is really important and difficult to do. But that's that's great advice.
1: Because your job's gonna take a lot from you, but there's still so many things it can never take. You, know, you can mm-hmm. still go on a bike ride on the weekends. You can still turn on a movie even if you don't have that, you know?
0: I love that. Awesome, excellent advice, Corey.
1: I worked from home for a while, so I've had a lot of time to think about it.
0: Yeah, no, this is coming from an expert working from home employee, which is very, very helpful, like I said, for almost everyone currently.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, hey, it's not so bad. You get to wear your pajamas all day. For the most part.
0: <laughs> very true. Also a great piece of advice. <laughs> My final question here for you is, what is your proudest accomplishment? Now, this can be big, it can be small, it can be related to work or not at all. It can be from 10 years ago or from yesterday. What is your proudest accomplishment?
1: I think the honest answer to this question, whenever you're asked it, is the first thing that comes to mind Mm -hmm. because you could overthink it and you can be like, no, I'd like to talk about this because, you know, I I want people do know I did this, blah, blah, blah. But my proudest accomplishment and the first thing that comes to my mind is the half marathon that I ran last August. Yeah, eight months ago, last August, I went home for a week. And then at the end of that week, I ran a half marathon, which is about 13 miles. And I hadn't been a, I've never been a runner in my entire life. So I've never enjoyed it. And then about eight months before that, I was working from home and I was, like I said, I was kind of spiraling out of control, not really handling it well. And one of my family members, that cousin I spoke about was like, why don't you try going for a run? You know? So I did and I absolutely loved it. And I set a goal. My dad works in a newspaper that sponsors a half marathon and I've worked for it. Your husband has worked for it. Um, So the half marathons just kind of been around my life for a while. So I was like, Oh, I think it'd be like a really good goal. I think I could prove to myself that I could do something. If I sign up for this thing that's eight months out and I do it and the feeling of accomplishment I got from that was was unlike anything else. So that has to be my answer to this question.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Congratulations on reaching that goal. That's amazing.
1: Thank you very much. And running helps from work, working mm-hmm. from home. It's, it's a very good way to it's easy, you know, it right. gives you it gives you a sense of control.
0: Do you have any plans on running another marathon or race or anything?
1: I did until
0: the mm. world found
1: its way into this current state. And I guess Fair. a lot of people I've seen online are doing it themselves. like, are just running 13 miles on their own, which I think is mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Like, hey, I ran a personal half marathon today, which is really cool. Right. And my roommate's a runner, too. So we had kind of talked about doing something similar with each other. But yes, I still run all the time. So if, if the races do happen again, mm-hmm. I'm planning on running another one.
0: Awesome. That's fantastic. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast here today, Corey. I really loved hearing about your career path thus far, and I know we will all see amazing things for you in the future. So thank you so thank much you. again for being here.
1: Uh, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. It's good, to, it's good to ask yourself these questions, too. So I feel like it was almost uh, an evaluation for me about myself.
0: Before we sign off, do you want to shout out any of your social medias or where people can find you?
1: You can go to CorySpanner.com, C O R E Y, Spanner.com. That links you to my blog where I host a lot of writing. I'm happy to answer any other questions. I'm not on social media really. I have an Instagram. My handle is Ginsburg's Glasses. It's really goofy. Now I'm I'm stuck with it for the rest of my life.
0: (laughs) CorySpanner.com is is easy enough. Awesome. Thank you. Great. Well, thank you, Cory.